Hello and welcome to the latest in our series of In Discussion recordings. This week I'm joined by Amy Brown, who's a senior associate in our commercial property team, and we're going to look at the outlook for retail and leisure property in 2021. Hi Amy, how are you? Hi Jamie, I'm good, you? Yeah, well, thank you. Obviously, 2020 was fairly horrendous for this property sector. A lot of high-profile administrations, numerous closures. From a legal perspective, tenants were paying for or required to pay for properties they couldn't actually use. And landlords found that there was legislation really limiting their ability to claim unpaid rents. There were no winners. I think as a nation, perhaps we were starting to get a bit more optimistic towards the end of 2020, then obviously the new variant, back in a full lockdown, perhaps not so much now. What are you expecting to see in 2021? Well, I think to start off with the high street, unfortunately, more closures are going to be inevitable, um, either from retailers becoming insolvent, closing altogether, um, others might be reducing their portfolio or even switching from bricks and mortar to online only. Um, but remember, some high streets and retailers were already struggling before the, um, the lockdown forced them to close their shops. Um, shopping habits were already changing. People were buying a lot more online, traveling to out-of-town shopping centers rather than visiting their high streets. Uh, but it's not all doom and gloom. The increase in home working means that I think people will start to shop closer to home. Uh, therefore, hopefully, high streets and retailers in suburban locations might thrive in the long term even. Um, likewise, service providers, things like key cutting, nail bars, gyms, hairdressers, these are things you can't buy online um, and people don't want to travel a long way to, to get them. So they'll, I think, also continue to do well in high streets. Um, the digital shopping trend that. Um, but physical stores are still vital for a lot of retailers for brand identity, showrooming, hubs for click and collect orders and returns. So a really good example of this is Next. And we're likely to see, I think, more stores moving towards that sort of model where the in-store service is complementing the online offering. Um, but let's also not forget, once the vaccine is in full effect, I think there's going to be an initial rebound for all sectors of retail and leisure because we're just desperate to get out and about. No, absolutely. No, we, we really are here. So um, hopefully not too much longer. I think we'll also inevitably see some repurposing of the high streets. Um, so here in Oxford, we've got the conversion of the Boswell department store into a boutique hotel. We've also got the you know very well publicised shortage of housing and also a huge shortage of lab and office space for the booming life sciences and tech sectors. I'm sure people are looking at the uh, you know, vacant retail space in the city centre and seeing if that can be converted for both. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing for, for, for leisure and retail in the long term. Even if they're giving up some space now, bringing people back into these city centre locations has got to be good and give a captive market in the audience in, in, in the future. Um, and, and perhaps that will lead to, to you know, bricks and mortar retail and leisure hospitality moving back into those areas. Obviously, that's the high street. What about other property types? What do you think is going to happen there? Well, retail parks to start off with, I think in particular companies that have got drive through portfolios. So we're talking McDonald's, Costa, Starbucks. They generally fare better than a lot of other retailers. And although this is hopefully a once in a lifetime thing, uh, there's likely to be a long term change to our shopping habits. And I think we're probably going to see a lot more of those drive-through offerings, demand for drive-through premises that are easily accessible. I think it's going to be continued demand. Um, we might also see an increase in the use of drive-through facilities for non 
food and drink retail. So things like groceries, click and collect hubs, pharmacies, even vaccinations. I did see a, a, an article in the press recently that Asda were proposing to do flu jabs via drive through, which would be really interesting. Um, likewise, destination shopping centres. These are likely, I think, to bounce back once restrictions are lifted. People still love to make a day of shopping, having lunch, going to the cinema, seeing friends, having some dinner and drinks. So these destinations that have got retail and leisure all in one place, I think, are likely to continue to thrive. Um, supermarkets, they're another sector that have done really well this year. Consumers are continuing to spend money in the few stores that they can access physically. Uh, we've already discussed shopping habits are probably going to be permanently altered. So we're seeing fewer shopping trips, but of a much higher value at each time. And more people are also relying on supermarkets for non-food retail. So things like clothing, homewares, beauty products, toys. I know that I did a lot of my uh, Christmas shopping at Sainsbury's because it was the only store that I could actually physically get into. Um, the upshot of this probably is that there's going to be more concessions and stores within stores. These aren't a new concept. It's something that actually we were seeing a bit of a trend towards pre-lockdown. Um, for example, Specsavers, Lloyd's Pharmacy, Arcadia, um, EG Group's bid for Cafe Nero. These are all sorts of things that I think we'll probably see even more of in supermarkets in the future. Yeah, I completely agree. And obviously, you and I have been involved in quite a few of those in the past and, and hopefully, hopefully more to come. But obviously, we're lawyers, so we can't finish this discussion without paying lip service to the legal developments we might see. Um I have discussed rent suspension clauses on, um, on, on these sort of podcasts before. I mentioned earlier that most modern leases don't uh, cater for lockdowns and, and, and the inability to use properties as a result of epidemics on pandemics. And you and I dealt with dozens of these leases and niche re-gears and tried to, we tried to sort of seek to allocate risk of future lockdowns between landlords and tenants. Personally, I thought that was starting to disappear a bit towards the end of 2020, perhaps with the positive vaccine news that we had there. People thinking, right, this won't happen again. Now, in the midst of a full lockdown, um, it's starting to come to the fore again. My personal view is that if we do agree them now, they're likely to be time limited and only apply for the first year or two. Landlords aren't going to want to commit much beyond that. In the longer term, I think it's going to depend on the insurance industry. If insurers take a view that this is actually a once in a lifetime or a once in a generation event, perhaps there will be insurance available. If it's cheaper for the tenants to take that out, out that insurance, then I think these clauses will disappear from leases going forwards. To the extent though insurers say they're not going to touch this, it's too expensive, then perhaps we might see changes to uninsured risk provisions to make sure they capture this sort of event and some sort of sharing of the risk between landlords and tenants. Um, are there any other legal developments you're expecting to, to see or to continue to see going into 2021? Yeah, so I think turnover rents. Um, I know we've talked about these before um, at quite some length. Uh, so this is landlords and tenants sharing the risk and the rewards of the tenant's performance at store by linking the rent either wholly or partly to the turnover generated. Um, I know I've personally seen these increase massively in use in leases um, of in recent months. I think it's likely to increase in popularity, provided that the market can find a fair way of attributing value to a physical store. So this is particularly tricky where the retailer in question has sort of omni-channel presence. So they're using their stores both for an in-store shopping experience, but also as showrooms or as a hub for online collections and returns. So again, Next is a really good example of this. But these challenges aren't insurmountable. And I read recently in the press that 
tech companies are already working with some of the major players um, on this. And I think we can probably expect to see a market position emerge in due course as to um, how to deal with things like click and collect, returns, that sort of thing. No, I, I absolutely agree. There's no doubt that for, for the sector to survive, they're going to have to increase. And I think some of the issues in the past have maybe been a bit of a lack of trust between landlords and tenants, but I think prop tech can then come in there and we will start to see market positions um, develop. So thank you, Amy. I think basically another very turbulent year ahead, but at least this time with the vaccine, there is some light at the end of the tunnel and there'll certainly be plenty of opportunities as well. So thanks very much. Thanks, Jamie.